his goal to destroy the tall poppy syndrome. His platform, Today FM. This is Rebet Live. Call 0800 Today FM. and welcome to Rebet Live. I'm Bryn Rudkin. In for Rebet today, thanks for your company. This is the show that champions Kiwi businesses and I'm here until two this afternoon. Joining me in the studio today is Ian Musson from the Young Enterprise Scheme. Ian, thanks for keeping me company in the studio this afternoon. How are you? Yeah, good, my friend. Bryn, you sound amazing on radio. Oh, you're very kind. You're too kind. <laughs> now, you've come all the, way, uh, all the way up to Auckland from Hamilton to be with us today. How was the drive up? I can't complain. Like most things, I can't complain. I have a car that works. Um, the weather's good. The weather was great in Hamilton, so I'm hoping that holds out for when I do get back home this afternoon. Yes. And who knows, maybe some beach time, or oh, that's still a bit chilly. Yes, yeah. It was, uh, it was a really nice day in Auckland yesterday on Friday, like blue skies, no clouds, but it was freezing, still yes. cold. Oh, 100%. So I spent... Um, just for some context, I spent the most or the early part of the week down the west coast of the South Island. Never been there before. Absolutely stunning. Absolutely beautiful. Negative one most times, <laughs> and it was freezing. And so, for a boy from the North Island, yeah, I travelled down there in shorts and Crocs, and, <laughs> um, and then got a bit of a rude awakening as soon as I got off the plane. So, this is balmy. Do you know? I sort of did the same thing, but um, I went to Dubai oh, a few years ago now, and it was in the middle of winter here in New Zealand. So I had like a puffer jacket, some jeans on, a couple of layers uh, on, you know, a shirt and uh, a jumper. Because it was cold leaving New Zealand, I got to Dubai and it was like 40 degrees. Yeah, and we can't look past the fact, and I think people down the West Coast are going to love this, that you compared the West Coast to Dubai. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know. Again, Ian, thanks for joining me uh, on the show today. Uh, and well, I want to find out more about the Young Enterprise Scheme too. So we'll have a chat with Ian about the Young Enterprise Scheme later in the show. But coming up in just a moment, we're talking wool with Harry Urquhart-Hart from Woolwise. Now, wool is a terrific natural fibre, but our wool sector has suffered in recent years. And I want to find out if the future is looking much brighter for our wool growers as consumers seek out more environmentally friendly products. Harry joins me next. Then I'm catching up with Gemma Rasmussen from Consumer NZ. Now this week, Air New Zealand announced it was cancelling flights affecting about 100,000 passengers. But Consumer NZ is concerned that important information about passengers' rights has been left out of the airline's announcement, so Gemma will join me to answer your questions. Later this hour, it's our Young Bucks segment. We catch up with senior secondary school students who are unleashing their inner entrepreneur, experiencing the startup world firsthand. And Ian, who have we got today? So we've got a bunch. So I was going to take the liberty of, since I'm in studio, let's bring a bunch of our Young Bucks, our young entrepreneurs from up here in the Auckland region. So we have, we've got, and I think they might be outside. We've got Ethan Fagan, who's from Long Bay College. We also have Simon Fink-Jensen from Glendowie College. And two, I'm going to say special guests from Manurewa High School who have just returned from a week-long trip down in Wellington, got back just in time for this, so they're all super excited to be joining us today. Awesome. I can't wait to catch up with them. Uh, after one o'clock, the latest research from the Financial Services Council's Money and You Investing in Volatile Times report. It shows investing is growing in popularity with most Kiwis managing their finances online. Four out of five New Zealanders are investing. And so I'll catch up with Richard Clippen, Chief Executive of the Financial Services Council. Today's tall poppy profile is Marie 
Marie Gladding, and she is super passionate about growing strong, innovative brands in New Zealand and championing women and youth in business. And I'm really looking forward to chatting with Marie later this afternoon. And I want to talk about burnout and stress in the workplace. Are you feeling burnt out at work? Is there a lot of stress in your job at the moment? Do you feel overworked? Clinical psychologist Dougal Sutherland from Victoria University of Wellington is on the show before 2 o'clock to talk about workplace well-being. You can text me on 3920 and the number to call is 0800 863 293 0800 Today FM. First up though, we've been told that growing wool these days is completely uneconomical. The latest government data shows the value of New Zealand's wool product exports, of which most is carpet, has fallen by 44% over the past six years. Uh, the price the farmer gets for selling the wool won't even cover the cost of sharing it, yet for the sake of the health of the sheep, they have to be shorn at least once a year. And sharers are one of those groups of workers that we are crying out for at the moment. It wasn't always like this, of course. We all used to have wool carpets and wool suits, woolen jerseys and woolen blankets, and we were proud of it. Now we don't because uh, we wear polyester and synthetics, and we still have a marked reluctance to use woolen carpets. The question is why? I guess it all comes down to price. But one Kiwi company that is showing innovation and determination in the strong wool sector is Woolwise, and they are doing some really interesting things in this space, uh, developing wool products that can be used instead of synthetics. So sales and marketing manager Harry Urquhart joins me now. Harry, thanks for your time this afternoon. Yeah, yeah, no, thank you. Good to, good to be chatting. It's great to have you on the show. Well, first of all, I want to know a bit more about Wise Wool. What do you guys do? Yeah, so Wise Wool is uh, born out of the frustration um, from our farmers, really, who are not receiving enough um, uh, per kg or being rewarded enough for their wool. So, and I'm talking strong wool here. So. Our family decided to innovate and engineer wool to add value to the raw fibre so that we could pay our large farming base more uh, at the farm gate. Now we've got a lot of sheep in this country, that means we've got a lot of wool, but the industry has really struggled with exports uh, over recent years. Why is that? Because wool is such a fantastic natural fibre. Yeah, yeah, it is It is a real shame. It is a wonderful fibre and I think for too long wool hasn't been rewarded um, commercially like it should have. I think what, what happened is um, ever, ever since the 1980s wool, and I'm talking strong wool here, so the coarser, thicker mm. variety of wool, um, really suffered off the back of China coming online and pumping out synthetic products. And as polyester and other um, products were sort of imported into New Zealand, wool really did fall um, to the wayside and has been in the doldrums sort of really ever since. So um, uh, there hasn't been a lot of innovation in the strong wool sector um, since, uh, since the 80s, really. Um, and I think traditionally our strong wool has been used 
um, and sort of fairly low value commodity items like curtains and carpets. And so uh, it's it's about time um, that sort of more innovation, more resource was put into the strong wool sector. And I think it's quite exciting what you're starting to see today. Um, uh, a number of startups and uh, sort of the world shifting to wanting more natural and sustainable products. You're starting to see people and companies playing with um, with strong wool and starting to use it for new uses and new products. Yeah, well, uh, from what I've seen, there is technology to use wool in nappy products, and there is also the capability to use wool as the base for a product that could take the place of plastic and storage boxes and other plastic products. But all of those initiatives need investment, but also a willingness on the part of consumers to get enthusiastic about buying them. So have you noticed a shift in consumers' appetite for wool? Yeah, I think I think globally there's a big shift towards not just wool, but natural, renewable uh, resources and, and products. Um, and so that, that's really sort of what um, what we're starting to see. It is a slow shift, but as um, future generations come through, we sort of think that's where the world is heading. Um, and a lot of that is being, um, we're seeing a lot of uh, that stemming from the US. And it is slow. Um, consumers do want it, but we're sort of seeing for that sustainable sort of premium and natural product replacements for synthetics, consumer appetites are sort of, you know, they're willing to pay about 10 to 15% more. So although there is that demand, um, you know, you've still got to be real at a commercial level as to the appetite of replacing synthetics with natural products. So I think... Um, uh, it's a slow shift um, and you do have to be realistic about the demand and volume for replacing synthetics but um, uh, I think with the innovation that's happening um, it's definitely it's definitely becoming bigger and we're seeing more and more of a groundswell uh, towards the change. Mm, which is fantastic and on wool, I want to find out a bit more about wool and, you know, why should consumers choose wool over the cheaper synthetic fibres? I mean, what kind of environmental impacts of synthetics are there? Yeah, so so wool, it's no secret it is a bit of a miracle fibre. Um, it's renewable, sustainable, it's uh, fire retardant or resistant. It's, um, it breathes really well, doesn't harbour odours um, like a lot of foams do. Um, so it's a lot of those attributes which, um, which sort of we need to hone in on. Um, I think for us as a business, we're really focusing on the compressional resilience of wool. So that's the bounce back or the fact that wool um, has wonderful loft. And um, for us with Wisewool, we're honing in on that particular attribute of wool to replace polyester, foam and feathers within upholstered goods. Um, so that's, that's sort of the, the one attribute of wool we're honing in on. And, um, and yeah, sort of applying 
uh, engineered wool um, within sort of high-end sort of furniture um, and bedding cushions and other other products where those attributes really work. Mm. So outside of uh, furniture and upholstery, Phil, what other products are you guys making or, or uh, where is your wool going? Yeah, so our family business collects wool from a large number of farms up the east coast and the Tairawhiti region and uh, some of those farms we've been collecting wool from our family has for over well over a hundred years. So uh, my great great grandfather founded the Gisborne Wool Company in 1894, wow. and it's been in our family ever since. So my cousin Angus and I are fifth generation, which we're really proud of. And um, re- the reality is, is to carry the family business on and to be working with wool, we simply need to add value to wool here in New Zealand in order to uh, support our farmers to grow wool wool into the future. So uh, currently what we're doing is we're collecting uh, a large volume of wool and classing it in the um, family business in Gisborne. The wool is then scoured uh, where it's washed in Hawke's Bay and then uh, effectively it goes to our plant which we recently purchased in Tipoi which is just out of Matamata. And what that's doing is turning the wool uh, into two different products. One is what we call Wise Wool Buds, which is a collection of um, tightly knitted balls or buds of wool, uh, which is a great replacement as a loose wool for feathers and polyester. And then the second product we're making a 2.4 metre wide sheets or rolls of wool um, in different thicknesses and these sheets of wool can be applied within furniture, bedding, you name it, to replace sort of um, rolls of polyester and tetron. And so with those two products we have a really universal um, uh, sort of range to replace synthetics across a variety of different industries. Um, I think when you ask where is the wool going, so currently we're um, providing, we're trying to replace as much sort of synthetic equivalent here in New Zealand as possible. And we're working closely with NZTE and um, uh, to, to try and export our wool as an uh, added value product, uh, particularly into the US. Mm. so that we can start to pay our farmers more. Um, so I think, like, you know, Thomas Sullivan and the team at Campaign for Wool have done a tremendous job really starting to put wool back on the map and um, strong wool back on the map here in New Zealand. And uh, they've commissioned a, a study or a report which sort of revealed, you know, it, it does make sense to really focus on, on North America and the US, and that's where the perception of Aotearoa and and New Zealand wool will fetch a premium. So that's sort of where we've set our goal and um, set our sights on. And yeah, it's not not going to be easy. It'll be a long, long journey. And like we say, you know, our New Zealand farmers will just have to sort of um, 
uh, hang in there for a bit longer, but I think there is a tremendous opportunity and we've just got to look big because New Zealand does have a lot of wool and, um, and there's a great opportunity for it as an export. Talking about your family, you know, being fifth generation, I, I want to know what the secret is to such longevity in a family business because, you know, I, I think that's incredible that, you know, you're now fifth generation in this business. Uh, what is the secret behind it? Yeah, good question. Um, <laughs> um, I think probably not taking things too seriously. Um, Henry, my uncle, is um, he runs the Gisborne Wall Company and I think, uh, yeah, he probably just sort of summarises why we're still here. Um, you know, just families first and, yeah, just, you know, get on and get things done. And um, uh, it is what it is. And, um, and yeah, don't take life too seriously. I think that's probably the, the secret to mm. <laughs> still being here today that he probably... Um, you know, just, just keeps it all pretty level-headed and and just have fun, really. Absolutely. Well, Harry, I've really enjoyed getting to know more a bit about wool. Would you say, just finally, that New Zealand's wool is the best in the world? Do you have to say yes? <laughs> <laughs> oh, look, I think um, I think wool, full stop, is, is a miracle fibre, and I think that's been forgotten for too long. Um, I think what's special about New Zealand wool is that we have such a wonderful history with the fibre. I mean, New Zealand really was built on the back of, of a sheep's back. Um, and and I think New Zealand does have a wonderful future history with wool. So uh, it's it's been a great past. And I think looking ahead, it's, it's going to be a great future for New Zealand. Absolutely. Well, thank you very much, Harry, uh, for joining me this afternoon. Really appreciate talking to you. Yeah, yeah, no, great to chat. And, um, yeah, enjoy the rest of your weekend. Harry Urquhart from Wise Wool joining us this afternoon. So I have a few questions for you guys about wool. How many woolen products do you buy? Have you bought some new carpet or some new clothes recently? And did you ever think about the impact on the environment? when you made that purchase, if you were really environmentally aware, would you really buy stuff made of synthetics knowing that it was all from plastic and oil and all that stuff which we're consistently told is bad for us? But when you make decisions on things like clothes or blankets or a rug or a you know, carpet, do you ever think about what it's made of or do you just go on the price? And if you were told that woolen things are better for you and better for the environment, would you make an effort to buy more of them? You can text me on 3920 and the number to call is 0800 Today FM, 0800 863 293. Would love your feedback. Uh, <coughs> excuse me, after the break I'm catching up with Gemma Rasmussen from Consumer NZ to talk about uh, the announcement that came from Air New Zealand this week, 100,000 passengers have been affected by flight cancellations. We answer your questions next. It is 22 minutes past 12. His goal, to destroy the tall poppy syndrome. His platform, Today FM. This is Rebet Live. Call 0800 Today FM.
It is 25 minutes past 12 here on your Saturday afternoon. This is Rebet Live. I'm Bryn Rudkin in for Rebet Hollis this week. Uh, you can text in. Would love your feedback. 3920 and my number is 0800 863 293 0800 Today FM. Air New Zealand has announced that it will be operating a reduced schedule, meaning flight changes are in the pipeline for many passengers already booked to fly. But Consumer NZ is concerned that important information about passengers' rights has been left out of the airline's announcement. Gemma Rasmussen, Head of Comms and Campaigns at Consumer NZ, joins me. Kia ora, Gemma. First of all, Air New Zealand announced that it was cancelling flights affecting 100,000 travellers over the next six months uh, due to staff illness, which is about 1.5% fewer seats than originally planned. Now, those passengers who have been affected, do you know if they'll be notified by Air New Zealand or will they have to follow up with the airline to find out? Uh, the airline will notify the passengers if there are any changes, um, and we do think that it's been—it's really great that Air New Zealand has been on the front foot about their reduced capacity. Um, they're letting people know now for changes that could be this summer. So I think that they're doing everything they can to notify passengers. And will affected passengers be automatically moved onto another flight? Um, so it, I, I think with this, it's going to be a case-by-case basis. Um, they are going to aim to move passengers onto flights same day or another day. There will be um, passengers being moved. I guess the question in this sense is whether customers are actually satisfied about where their flights are moved to and whether that's actually going to work with their travel plans. Mm. And so what rights do passengers have if their flights have been cancelled? Can they ask for a refund instead of credit? Yeah, so uh, this was our slight concern about uh, Air New Zealand's communication yesterday. So according to Air New Zealand, um, if a passenger's domestic flight is changed and not rearranged for the same day, then the affected passenger will be able to request a refund, and this is similar for passengers who are flying internationally. Um, but what we're concerned about is that Air New Zealand isn't telling passengers the whole story when it comes to their rights. So it makes it sound like a passenger can only get a refund if their flight isn't rearranged for the same day um, or the next day for international flights. But under the Civil Aviation Act, um, if any airline cancels a domestic flight um, for reasons within their control, the affected passenger is entitled to reimbursement up to 10 times the cost of their flight ticket or the actual cost of their delay. So things like having to book accommodation or another flight, whichever amount is lower. So I guess, for example, in this instance, if you um, had your flight moved and you needed to attend an event um, or a funeral or anything like that, and it was on the same day when your flight was moved, but you weren't happy with it, you still would have rights. So if the airline offers you another flight, but the time doesn't suit, you can ask for a refund? You can ask for a refund, but as well as that, um, you are also entitled to cover the other costs. So say you needed to get somewhere within a few hours, um, they offered you a refund, but the new flight that you had to take um, cost you more money, you would be entitled to get that coverage from the airline. Now, you talked about the Civil Aviation Act. How does the Act protect the rights of passengers when flights are cancelled within the airline's control? Because... You know, for one example, this isn't, say, a weather event that has caused flight disruptions, but one that Air New Zealand does have control over. 
Yeah, so there is a distinction. And what we would actually say to passengers is to find out the reason why your flight has been cancelled because this will change your rights significantly. So under the Civil Aviation Act, if a flight is cancelled within the airline's control, and that would be things like um, scheduling, staff, sickness, um, you know, a, a plane issue, like mm. a mechanical issue, um, passengers are actually entitled to, like I was saying, the the booking a refund or also covering things like the cost that they've had to spend um, to get themselves where they need to be, whether that's accommodation, rental cars, um, they're able to claim that. Under the Civil Aviation Act, if um, an airline cancels a flight and it's something that's out of their control, so that's things like weather event, say there's a COVID-19 lockdown, there's a medical emergency at the airport, um, then you could ask your airline for a refund um, or they would aim to put you on another flight. But under that, they're not actually obligated to. The airlines always do do this. Um, They're really great to their passengers, but that is where the law falls. Mm. And does this just relate to domestic flights or are international flights also covered in the Civil Aviation Act? So when you are flying internationally, you're actually, um, the laws according to your local jurisdiction apply, um, or alternatively it's the Montreal Act, which is like an international coverage. I think what a lot of passengers would find that our Civil Aviation Act is probably a little bit uh, less generous than a lot of other international laws. For example, in some countries, as soon as there's a three-hour delay, then you start being entitled to food or levels of reimbursement. Um, So if you are travelling internationally, it always pays to look at uh, what the jurisdiction is in the area that you're travelling, but you may find that it's better than what you get in New Zealand. Now, let's say a passenger is having trouble trying to claim a refund for a flight that's been cancelled. Who else can they contact for assistance? Can they get in touch with Consumer NZ, you guys, or the Commerce Commission? Yeah, so we would always um, recommend, one, that uh, consumers go to the airline first and try and resolve the issue because, um, you know, Airlines like in New Zealand, they, they do have a really fantastic team and they are doing their best to resolve the issue. But if you're just not satisfied, and the other thing we'd say is make sure you know your rights so you can pop onto consumer.org.nz, make sure you know what your rights are and try and resolve it with the airline. Um, yep, we say that we are happy to um, field calls from people who may not be happy. Typically we do... Um, provide advice for our members, but in instances with airlines, we are happy to try and resolve things for people as well. Um, yeah. Mm. And what about travel insurance? Uh, for those people that may have chosen not to get travel insurance, are they still covered? They are still covered. So we would say, you know, if we recognise that times are tough for a lot of people, um, and if you are able to afford it, um, having travel insurance certainly can help, as well as booking a flexi fare, so you have the ability to move things around really seamlessly. We would say that if you are booking with a third party, someone like Webjet, um, it can become a lot more complicated to process refunds or get um, disputes resolved compared to booking directly with the airline, that would certainly be advice that we have. Um, But yes, the Civil Aviation Act certainly does apply and 
all passengers are entitled to that if they're travelling in New Zealand. Mm, fantastic. Now, for those people listening uh, and, you know, they're wanting more information about their travel rights, uh, can they find information on the consumer website? That's correct. They can head to consumer.org.nz and on the homepage there will be all the information that they need. Gemma Rasmussen from Consumer NZ joining us this afternoon. My text number 3920 had this text come in. says, most definitely wool all the way with wool carpets, merino clothes and wool insulation in our ceilings and underfloor. Would love your feedback. My phone number too is 0800 863 293 0800 Today FM. We'll take a quick break then back with our Young Bucks uh, this week. Here on Today FM, it is 26 minutes to one. Mentor. Sherpa. Counselor. Nah, just a clever guy doing cool shit. It's Rebette Live. On Today FM. It is 23 minutes to one. This is Rebette Live with me, Bryn Rudkin, in for Rebette Hollis today. You can find your local frequency on our website, todayfm.co.nz. Take us with you on the go. You can download the free Rover app from your smartphone's app store. If you want to get in touch uh, this afternoon, more than welcome to hear from you. Would love your feedback. 3920 is the text number. Or uh, phone in 0800 Today FM, 0800 863 293. Right now, it is time for our Young Buck segment. We catch up with senior secondary school students who are unleashing their inner entrepreneur, experiencing the startup world firsthand. Joining me in studio today is Ian Musson from the Young Enterprise Scheme. Ian sets these interviews up for us every week. So, Ian, I'm going to hand over to you. Sweet, thanks, Brent. So... I'm pretty stoked because this is the first time I've been in a studio to actually kick it with our young bucks. And I'm looking at five, I'm going to say they're a little bit, a little bit anxious. The look on their faces, they're a little bit scared. But team, how are we doing? Doing good, yeah. So great. Magic. Nice. Yep. Nice. I'm loving that we've picked up that we need to speak, not just nod heads at me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's the magic of radio. What? So we've got a few teams from a few different schools here across Auckland who... Um, we've pulled in to come and share a little bit about their story, what they do, the incredible things they're up to, and the magic I think you're going to create in the future. So, first of all, I have from Glendowie College, um, both Jordan and Ruby Aliyahu. Nice. They're looking at me. I've got their name right. Yes, team. They are brothers and sisters. They are twins. Yep. They are twins. They are from a company called Implete. So, team, introduce yourselves and let us know a little bit about Implete. So uh, I'm Jordan, I'm the CFO. Um, so we've basically designed reusable labels. Uh, they use suction on the back just to stick onto anything and then they've got like a nice whiteboard surface on the front. And uh, yeah, this year we've created Koha, which is our newer version, more aesthetically pleasing, good for gifting. Koha in Māori means gift. So that's what we've got, yeah. Nice. And tell me a little bit about the why. Why did you create this? Because you, you didn't just wake up one day and be like, yo... I'm going to make Implete. I don't know what it is. I'm just going to make it. So what gave you the idea to create this wonderful product? Well, uh, it was actually our CEO, Simon. He works a lot in all these restaurants and he saw that they're using like masking tape and all these like single-use labels. So his dad knew about the technology of the suction stuff and then we just put a whiteboard surface on it and here it is today. Nice. And I'm going to pick on you a little bit, Ruby, because you've been quiet. You've been quiet, but I know you've got stuff to say because I've been hearing you speak a lot before. So you've joined the company this year. Yep. So tell us, what do you bring to Implete? Um, I'm the marketing manager. So basically I promote, well, attempt to promote Implete. And I have a, we have an Instagram page, TikTok page, um, 
Facebook. No one really uses Facebook, but like Facebook. Um, and yeah, I think I've done a pretty decent job promoting, so I'm quite happy, and that's my place. I don't do much besides that. I designed the the um, we have on our new packaging uh, a design in the middle, and I designed that because I'm quite like artsy and whatnot. But besides that. Like just the That's whole product, job. just yeah. the phone, just all the stuff that actually makes the company money, yeah, right? Yo. Exactly. So you talked about your socials. So tell us your app. How do we get a hold of you? Oh, right. So um, most active right now is probably Instagram and TikTok. Instagram is Implete.co and TikTok is at Implete. Sweet. So I want you guys to watch out today and hopefully we get some numbers up there. I also, the team were looking at me when they said Facebook and no one really looks at it and they looked at me because I'm the old dude in the room. <laughs> um, and they're probably the one guy who is active on Facebook, kind of. So team, they are reusable labels. You have a website? Where can we buy them? Yep, implete.co.nz. Yep. Nice. And one more time, I'm going to flick it back to you, Jordan. Yep. In a nutshell, what are they? They're reusable. Where do I use them? Where can I use them? Um, great for kitchen use. They can survive dishwashers, fridge, freezer, microwave, all of the above. Um, good for cabinetry, good for all your stationery, just anywhere you need to label it. And nice. we do have um, our new one this year called the Kraken, which is our largest one, which we're actually working on now. So that'll be out too. Like Kraken, like Kraken or Kraken like a big crab? Kraken like the... Like the the big squid. You know? That's a squid, yeah. 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 <laughs> I don't know my don't know my sea mammals or animals. Um, so team, Implete.co.nz, you know, there's a whole bunch of us, I am 100% sure we just like, just recreate labels time and time after again, right? People in hospital, people at home, students, like you said, on your station, all that good stuff. So if you actually care about the environment, you don't just say you do, Thanks. head to Implete.co.nz, right? Yep. Nice, <laughs> sweet. Well done, team. Um, I'm going to say, post some cool content today. Flick it on TikTok, flick it on Insta, point us in direction where we can find that stuff again and we'll hopefully we can make some things happen for you. Hopefully. Sweet. Well done. Cool. Sweet. I'm going to... So to give you guys an idea of what the studio looks like, I'm going to shift our young bucks along and I'm going to bring in our next lot. Cool. So we have two wonderful young ladies, both from Manirua High School. Am I right? Yes, no. that's right. And did your teacher drive you here today? No, we got our own ride. Oh, nice. Well, that's cool. He just he just turned up to support you guys, and that's amazing. <laughs> so I have in front of me Selena, who has a company called Moonwood Canvas from Manurewa High School, and also Chanel, who has a company called Portiki Order, also from Manurewa High School. And I've got some pretty cool things in front of me that I'm looking at. So I might jump to you first, Chanel. Can you tell us what is Portiki Order? So um, Portiki Order, we've basically created Whare dollhouses just to help like connect Māori kids to their culture and like promote tikanga as well as like having an educational tool for non-Māori as well to like, you know, anyone who wants to learn more about marae and like marae protocol and stuff. Nice. It's and, cool. Um, yeah. To give everyone an idea, I'm looking at this is it laser cut? Yep. Laser cut, it's mm -hmm. like, I don't even know the words to describe it. It's pretty cool. <laughs> so it's a miniature whare effectively. And I guess it creates a really, I won't use the word safe. I don't like using the word safe environment, but a nice environment for people to learn, correct? Yeah, yeah. And That's what right. gave you the idea to create this? Um, well, basically, like, I always knew that I wanted to do something with culture because, like, you don't really see much, like, especially with, like, Māori in New Zealand like there are some but not really and um yeah it's different and I just wanted to do something new and yeah it's basically it 
And yeah, just that, eh? Just all that stuff. It's pretty cool. Can you tell us about the name, Pōtiki Ora? Um, yeah, so Pōtiki basically means, like, the youngest of the kids, so, like, daycare-aged kids. And um, Ora is, like, your well-being. Yeah. So, and where do we want to... Because I've got an idea in my head on who we want to be buying this stuff. But tell us, who do you think, or who do we want to... You know, while we've got the opportunity to shout out to people to come and search you guys online, who are we trying to aim this at? Yeah, so, like, Kohanga teachers with... Um, being into a few so far, um, and anyone who has kids within three years old to like eight years old, or anyone who wants to buy primary school teachers as well. Yeah. Mean. So I've got I've got three boys. Yeah. Um. Yeah, and they like this stuff too. Does it come? So give her an idea. It's, it's kind of assembled. Does it come assembled, or you put it together? Uh, yeah, it comes assembled, and um, oh, it also comes with um, this information booklet as well. Nice. Which basically like explains like for people who don't know about Marae or like Maori protocol, just it has all their information in it, so they don't have to like go looking, you know. Nice, but which is a cool thing, right? Because yeah. if you start searching stuff, you get bombarded with a whole bunch of stuff, and you're yeah. like, I don't know which is right. Yeah, and I don't exactly. know which is wrong, and I don't want to do the wrong thing. Cool. How do we find them? Um, so you can check us out on Instagram at Portiki underscore order. Um, we also have a Facebook page, Portiki order. Because um, yeah. she's aiming towards the old people to buy them for the kids, right? <laughs> so yeah. Portiki, P-O-T-I-K-I underscore O-R-A. Yes. Nice. Sweet. Right. Thank you very much. Thank and you. we're going to flick it over real quick to Selena from Moonwood Canvas. So Selena, can you please tell us, because I'm... As intrigued, I think, as anyone listening, what is Moonwood Canvas? Uh, so, oh, tell everyone, my name's Selena. Um, so, basically, we create canvases that come in mirrors and photos. Um, our story behind the canvases were to reuse recycled wood and, like, turn them into something useful, but we found that it was difficult trying to find the right wood that would fit into the laser cutter. So then our plan B was to incorporate our cultural backgrounds into the patterns and designs onto the canvases. Nice. So, yeah. so if, I'm, if I can pretend I'm closing my eyes, I won't do it right in front of you, but pretend everyone around the country is closing their eyes, how would you describe what your end product looks like? Uh, or is it better visual if you just give me a link? And we send people somewhere, right? Yeah. Is that easier? That's a better... So, so what's your handles or what's your at? Because I heard also handles is like an old way of saying things handles. now. What's your at? Man. So at the moment we have an Instagram page, um, MW Canvases. Cool. That's, that's about it. So, so no no old Facebook pages for no. people like me? So I got, I got, it means i got to go onto Insta right now. Yeah, Sweet. you've got to... So MW Canvas? Canvases, yeah. Cool. That's your at? It's your at? No, no. Yes, it is your at, right? Yes, it is. Not your handle, your at. So that's our whānau from Manirua High School. Do you guys want to give a shout-out to Mr Lambert? Oh, yeah. Shout-out uh, shout to, to Lambert. Mr Lambert. <laughs> He's our business teacher. Paying for our um, car ticket. Our car park ticket. <laughs> Eesh. And I heard he's getting you guys much. McDonald's yeah. on the way back yeah. too, which is even better. So thank you, Les. I'm going to bring in our last young buck who has been waiting. And is he nervous? Yeah. Well, he is a little bit nervous. Cool. So I have in front of me now Ethan Fagan from Long Bay College. And I'm going to say this right. Chop blocker? Yep, that's correct. Sweet. Ethan, can you tell us about... Chop blocker, please, my friend. So chop blocker, it's essentially just a normal chopping board, right? Everyone's seen a chopping board and everyone's seen a recipe book. But have you ever seen them 
put into one. I have not. With a QR code on uh, engraved onto the board, you can scan it and it gives you quick, easy access to recipes, all gluten-free, um, vegetarian, all dietary requirements, all non-dietary, everything. And you can save the recipes for when you want to come back and make it again. And it's just essentially just creates some convenience for you. Nice. I love that. I love that. Like, mm. I use a chopping block, right, when I go and cook stuff. When I, when I cook stuff. <laughs> and we're, we've all been using QR codes over yeah. the last couple of years. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to, like, will it tell me, like, to, to maybe put the food down? Uh, we, we could add that in. We could definitely <laughs> add that in. That, that's an option. But, yeah, so it's, it's yeah, that's what it is. Just a, a chopping board, QR code, a recipe book, and a chopping block putting to one and you've got a chop blocker. Nice. I love the humility. That's just what it is. <laughs> it's all the stuff combined. That's just what it is. And the, the idea, like, what made you wake up one morning and think, we're going to create this thing? Uh, everyone loves food. Every, everyone, if you speak to someone, you say you love food, they, that's it. And uh, chopping boards, essentially, it's just if you see a chopping board, you immediately think of food. And so um, I don't know how to make food. My, my parents, make, like, help me make food, and but... They, they also use the chopping board. So it's just, you know what, let's give them convenience instead of having to scratch through cupboards mm. and stuff to find, a, to find a recipe book. You just scan it and you've got the recipes there instead of having to scroll through all the pages and you're saving the, um, the paper from the recipe book. So we want to try and make a generational sort of impact on the use of paper and nice. cut that out. Nice. I'm also thinking in my head like, this is just off the cuff, like at home for me. You know, as you're ready to scan it, then it flicks up on like, say, my Google Home or whatever. That's right in front, or in the kitchen already. And it's like yeah. bang, bang, bang. Now it's all there in front of me. I probably still won't make the food, but someone in yeah, my house yeah. will, right? But you yeah, know, yeah, and exactly. I'll enjoy eating it. Yeah, yeah, you enjoy eating it. That's so, so how do we find those, man? Uh, yeah, so we got a Facebook and we have an Instagram, uh, chopblocker underscore NZ. And yeah, and we have a website as well, which is chopblocker.info. You can just you can either flick us a DM on Instagram and Facebook, or you can just go to our website, scroll down to the very bottom, and you'll find a little buy now. Nice. And you can order. You can order a board from there. Nice. And I'm going to spell out chop blocker just so everyone knows yes. how to get it. So it's C H O P B L O Q R. Yes. So we've got it. the QR code in there. So again, folk, C H O P Bell Bell C H O P B L O Q R. You can find the team there and. You guys ready to ship? Ready to yes. sell? Yes, yes, definitely. Nice, nice. So, Brent, any questions for you, my friend, for our Young Bucks this weekend? These guys are just so much smarter than me. Like, I wish I could come up with a cool business, but I can't, and I'm 25, so, yeah. I think he's rubbing in these 25 as well. <laughs> so I won't tell you how old I am, but I'd done Young Enterprise, so I was in your shoes before you were born. We'll leave it at that, eh? So a little while ago. And what I'd done was nothing, nowhere as cool as what you're doing right here. And like Bryn mentioned, and like Robette's mentioned on weeks prior, is that you guys are incredible. You're doing some really cool things. And for me, as a not-so-young person, a little bit older, but as a person who has young people in my family, I get really inspired by seeing the stuff you guys are doing. So well done. I'm super proud of you. We'll see you all guys at regionals, right? Yes, definitely. So we'll explain more later on what regionals means to everyone who's listening because these young folk know exactly what it is. Um, but you on air have no idea what I'm talking about, but we'll get to that later. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, thank you guys so much for coming in. It is eight minutes to one. We'll be back very soon here on Today FM. Rebet Live. Live from Silicon Valley. The hub of the tech universe. With tips on unleashing your entrepreneurial potential. On Today FM.
It is five minutes to one. This is Rebet Live with me, Bryn Rudkin, and for Rebet today, he is at a stag do, I believe, over in the States. But you've got me and joining me in studio, Ian Musson from the Young Enterprise Scheme. How are you, Ian? How are you finding the show so far? It's fun. I'm yeah. not going to lie. It's super <laughs> fun. And I also love the fact that irrespective of if Rebet is at a stag do, we can say exactly what we want about him and make something up of what he's doing right now. That's right, exactly. He won't mind. Uh, just off the back of Young Bucks, oh, my gosh. You know, those guys are so clever. And I'm just trying to think back to when I was in high school. I remember doing... I was in a business studies commerce class, but I don't recall Young Enterprise ever being offered to me when I was at school. So I feel like I missed out. Yeah, I'm going to say you did. Yeah. I'm not going to lie, I'm going to say you did. Like, yeah. The, I remember my, I guess, experience with Young Enterprise. So this is, to unravel the curtain, this is back in, like, 2003 at Hamilton Boys High. Mm. So it's kind of giving you an idea of how old I was because I was being up in 17 or so at that time. And I probably came across it by chance, just so happened to be the subject I was taking. They decided to offer Young Enterprise as part of that class. And without sounding too cheesy and sound like I'm towing the line, is it probably, it was a really impactful time in my life. Mm. And it was, it did form some of the decisions I made after that. And it's kind of nice to be coming full circle to come back to actually working as part of the Young Enterprise Trust now and just seeing how, I guess, the impact it continues to have on young people's totally. lives. Totally, yeah. Do you remember what your first business Yeah, was? so we, again, this is back, back in the day. So it's nothing compared to what the young people are doing now. So when I was at Young Enterprise, we had a little company called Mokotapri, I think we called it, back, back when. And what we did is we had stencil tamoko for kabaka groups. But mm. it's a thing that happens now in a far more, I would say, hmm, convenient and more appropriate way. When we've done it, now, some of us might recognise what an overhead transparency is. These plastic seats used to have back in the day at school. <laughs> we would cut those out and then use whatever paint we could find to apply these. So they worked for what they were designed to do. Was the paint good for your skin? Who knows? Could the transparency be used time and time again? It's hard to say. Mm. But that was kind of our first foray into business. And it was super fun. I have a lot of fond memories. I remember, this is just a humble brag, you know, tapping your own shoulder is going back into my high school, there's still a picture of our team kind of sitting in the foyer of us, you know, making the paper and doing stuff within the Waikato region, which was super cool. So super fun time, really fond memories. And I won't say they're eclipsed by what these young people are doing now, but when I look at what our young folk get up to, like we mentioned before, we're completely blown away. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. That's amazing. I, I do want to ask more questions about the Young Enterprise Scheme, especially, you know, for people who might be listening, they might have teenagers at high school and maybe they aren't aware of Young Enterprise, the Young Enterprise Scheme. So I will ask you some more questions about the Young Enterprise Scheme after one o'clock. But yeah, thank you. And I must say, thank you so much because I do contact Ian every week going, who's our young buck this week? And it's all thanks to Ian. He's the one who, because I think your your job title is what? Chief? Chief Student Wrangler. <laughs> yeah. um, which is, which you can look at it in two ways. So I guess my, <laughs> my formal title is Head of Yes, but we tend to have a lot of fun titles. And so yeah. it's Chief Student Wrangler. Um, we also have our, our local folk who run the Young Enterprise Program for us locally who are referred to as Student Wranglers. Right. So yeah. everything kind of has a bit of a theme and it's designed to be a little bit more playful because we're working with 16, 17-year-olds and we want to have fun with them as much as we're taking them through a journey of building their entrepreneurship kind of pathway. 
Absolutely. Well, we'll, we'll talk more to uh, Ian Musson from the Young Enterprise Scheme after one o'clock. Uh, in just a moment, it's the news. And then after one, we are talking investing with Richard Clippin from the Financial Services Council. Lots of Kiwis are investing right now. So uh, Richard joins me to answer your questions. Plus, our tall poppy profile is Marie Gladding. She is super passionate about growing strong, innovative brands in Aotearoa and championing women and youth in business. So we'll catch up with Marie next here on Today FM. His goal to destroy the tall poppy syndrome. His platform, Today FM. This is Rebette Live. Call 0800 Today FM. past one on your Saturday afternoon, the 13th of August. This is Rebet Live. I'm Bryn Rudkin. In for Rebet. Uh, thank you for your company. My text number is 3920. Or if you want to get in touch, 0800 863 293. 0800 Today FM. Jump on the phone. We can have a chat and talk business this afternoon. Coming up on the show this hour, in just a moment, we talk investing with Richard Clippin from the Financial Services Council. Lots of Kiwis are investing right now. But if you are still new to investing or perhaps you're curious about how to invest and also how much to invest, Richard joins me next to answer your questions. Today's Tall Poppy profile is Marie Gladding and uh, I'm really looking forward to chatting with Marie in around 10 minutes time. And later this hour I want to talk about burnout and stress in the workplace. Are you feeling burnt out at work? Is there a lot of stress in your job at the moment. Do you feel overworked? Well, clinical psychologist Dougal Sutherland from the Victoria University of Wellington is on the show before two o'clock uh, to talk about workplace well-being. You can text me on 3920 and the number to call is 0800 Today FM, 0800 863 293. But right now, the latest research from the Financial Services Council's Money and You Investing in Volatile Times report shows investing is growing in popularity with most Kiwis managing their finances online. Four out of five New Zealanders are investing. Richard Clippin, Chief Executive of the Financial Services Council, joins me now. Kia ora, Richard. We know these are volatile times and there is uncertainty surrounding the economy and the greater impacts of the pandemic and the war in Ukraine, of course. Inflation is soaring, interest rates continue to rise. What has your latest money report found? Kia ora, Bryn, and thanks for uh, having us. Look, the Money News series we've been tracking now for the last three years, and we wanted to find out how New Zealanders are thinking and feeling about money and their money issues over the course of the pandemic. What's been really interesting through the whole pandemic is, is how resilient New Zealanders have been and, and how much we've taken to investing. So some of the key headlines from this report, over 80% of New Zealanders are investing in KiwiSaver or some other platform uh, to build their wealth. And uh, a number of us are using some of these micro-platforms like Shazzy's Hatch and Invest Now. So it's been a really uh, difficult time, but also one filled with opportunity for investors. Mm, absolutely. And just on KiwiSaver, especially those that don't have KiwiSaver, have you been able to find out why they aren't enrolled in that scheme? Look, a lot of people join KiwiSaver when they start their jobs, but if you're running your own business, 
a lot of people think that they can build wealth through their business. So some people are not involved in KiwiSaver because of that. Sometimes they don't believe in KiwiSaver, but the vast majority, over 80% of New Zealanders, are involved and in, are investing in KiwiSaver. And, uh, and frankly, you know, the research shows us that in the long term, KiwiSaver is going to be the most important place to build wealth uh, outside of uh, people's property and uh, real estate assets. Mm, definitely. Is it good to see the majority of Kiwis are investing? Uh, absolutely. You know, I think when people join KiwiSaver, they may not see themselves as investors, but actually that's exactly what they are. And, and what we're finding is that KiwiSaver becomes a way to have a conversation about, you know, where do you invest, where do you feel comfortable investing, how much is enough to retire on. So it opens the door and the window to that whole series of discussions. And I think whilst we're only 15 years old as a system in KiwiSaver, we can see people engaging more and more. And there's a, there's a really good opportunity for all of us in New Zealand to, to, to really maximise uh, our, our opportunities with KiwiSaver. Now, I want to talk about crypto because sure. according to this report, uh, you've found that fewer Kiwis are investing in cryptocurrencies. Are they finding it's too risky? Look, there's just uncertainty, Bryn, about, uh, about assets people don't understand. And crypto or digital assets are exactly that. They're a new form of investment that people are still really unsure. Only, only uh, less than 7% of us are investing in crypto and whilst it obviously has a lot of focus uh, in the market these days you know our, our guidance is for people to focus on the main game which is saving well investing well using all your other assets um, and look if, if people want to do uh, investing in crypto or other digital assets find out more before you do it but the research is showing there's a lot of uncertainty people are very unsure how can people invest in crypto in New Zealand? Yeah, so look, there's a, there's a number of um, platforms where you can go. Um, best place to go is just check out the FMA website. You can certainly Google um, you know, investing in digital assets and you'll end up in a number of different uh, platforms uh, where you can execute. But my gu our guidance is tread very carefully and very cautiously. You know, there's been a number of these what are called pump and dump schemes where you know you get your feeds on your social media uh, platforms using celebrities encouraging you to do all sorts of things uh, which is really just building the price up where as the promoters of those schemes are then selling out at high prices so you know this is this is an area that's global it's broadly unregulated so it really needs careful scrutiny and great assessment uh, for, from investors uh, be, before you head into that world do you know if the government is looking to looking at bringing in any regulations regarding those digital currencies and cryptocurrency? Yeah, look, there's a, there's a, la a large amount of work taking place within our regulator community looking at uh, future of money, uh, uh, other other kind of assets like digital assets. So it's, it's one to watch and that's why our kind of overall guidance is caution uh, and investigation before investing irrespective of how kind of attractive it might seem on the surface. Mm. A common question I hear being asked by people who are curious about investing but, you know, don't know how to, um, but the, the number one question I hear is how much money do I need to start investing? Yeah, look, it's a great, it, it, it's a great question. It comes through all the research. A lot of people think, you know, you need to have a lot of money to invest and actually that's completely the reverse is true. Um, 
getting good savings habits early is so important. And, you know, with the rise of these digital platforms, you can actually go and buy fractions of businesses. And, and in the end, in, that's what investing is, particularly sharing investing. You're buying a fraction, a share in a company that uh, sells milk or makes cars or makes computers or whatever. So getting people connected to what investing is and knowing that actually small amounts, little small amounts, little raindrops in the bucket actually count. Um, and if you do that over a long period of time with a lot of patience and a lot of discipline, what, what people end up with is, is assets and investments um, and uh, totally encourage that, uh, that, that kind of behaviour. Mm. Now, Richard, you're the CEO of the Finan- Financial Services Council. Tell us more about the role of the FSC. Yeah, look, the Financial Services Council is the peak body that represents uh, the financial services sector, which includes the health insurance community, the life insurance community, KiwiSaver community, and the, and the investment community. And, and our purpose and vision is to help New Zealanders uh, with their well-being and confidence. So, you know, we have we have the products and services, and we really fo- focused on helping New Zealanders get better with money, because what we found through all of our research that is that actually money is not the point. It's what you can do with it and the kind of life that people want to lead and helping people understand that. So that's kind of who we are and that's what our purpose and focus is. Richard Clippin from the Financial Services Council. He is the CEO joining us this afternoon. Really appreciate your time, Richard. It is 11 and a half past one. How are you, Ian? I've got Ian Musson from the Young Enterprise Scheme joining me in studio today uh, because uh, Rebet is away uh, Rebet Hollis is uh, at a stag do today and uh, Rebet was like, oh, you should get Ian to come in. And I communicate with Ian every week. He is from the Young Enterprise Scheme and Ian's great. He wrangles, uh, he's the chief wrangler, chief student wrangler at the Young Enterprise Scheme. So it's been great to have you in the studio today, Ian. Oh, it's always great to be here. And I, you know, I won't go into the exact text that Rebet sent me, but effectively <laughs> it's along the lines of, hey bro, as you guys would know, how he chats is how he chats. <laughs> yeah keen on doing something on Saturday and kind of alluding you into a, a yeah, I'm keen on doing something, <laughs> hooking you and then telling you what it is. But I'm really, really grateful. I'm really happy to be here, Bryn. So having awesome. heaps of fun. Well, it's great to have you here. Ian's come all the way up from Hamilton. I mean, it's not that far, is it? No, she's super close. And, yeah. you know, I, I don't speed. I promise you I don't speed. But yeah. you've got really open roads now, which yes. allows 110k most of the way to Auckland. So, so is that open? Is that entirely open now? Yeah, so basically from... South of Cambridge to what's the place? I don't even like Horsham Down, Hampton Down, Hampton Down. Oh, Downs. yes, yeah. It's basically like 110 Ks. Wow. Um, so it is safe. We'll, we'll use safe. it as safe. Yeah. I won't say anything else because yeah. <laughs> people will derive their own conclusions from what I say. So. Yeah, yeah. Oh, good on you, Ian. And uh, we'll chat more to Ian uh, later this hour. I want to find out more about the Young Enterprise Scheme. Would love your feedback. 3920 is the text number or get in touch with me on 0800 863 293 0800 Today FM. It is 13 minutes past one. I'll be back in three minutes. The show that loves tall poppies. Repeat live. Here's this week's Tall Poppy Profile. All I do is win, 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 no matter what. Got money on my mind, I can never get enough. And every time I step up in the building, everybody hands go up. Welcome back to Rebet Live here on Today FM. I'm Bryn Rudkin in for Rebet today. You can find out more about us online at todayfm.co.nz. Follow us on our social channels, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, 
We're even on TikTok. You can search Today FM New Zealand. And if you want to get in touch with me this afternoon, phone in on 0800 Today FM, 0800 863 293, or text me on 3920. Right now, it is time for this week's Tall Poppy, Tall Poppy Profile, and I'm so pleased to be joined by... Marie Gladding. Now, Marie co-founded I Love Food Co. about 15 years ago, exited via a trade sale in 2018. Late last year, she launched a skincare company called Every, making 100% natural and certified palm-free products. Uh, Marie is super passionate about growing strong, innovative brands in Aotearoa and championing women and youth in business. Well, kia ora, Marie. Thanks for joining me. First of all, let's go right back, uh, right back to the beginning. How did you get into business or how did you get interested in starting your own business? Yeah, it's kind of interesting. I was really into art when I was at school. Um, and I really wanted to do an art degree, but my parents were like, you know, that can be your hobby, your passion. You know, and in those days, you couldn't really see how you could get a career out of art. Um, and I thought, mm, advertising and being a creative in advertising, that's kind of artistic. Um, so I went and did a business degree and uh, I majored in advertising and marketing. And it's amazing, actually, how much now in my current role I do use that creative eye. Um Mm. And I have the ability to be creative, so. Yeah, that's awesome. I, I think creativity is so important in the business space. It, it brings a, a whole other element, I think, to to business. Definitely, definitely. I love ideas and, you know, discontinuous thinking and um, seeing them being brought to life. And I think, you know, it's that perfect marriage between being creative and being business like and serving like a, a, a purpose and finding a, finding a problem. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's go back to about 15 years ago. You co-founded I Love Food Co. Tell us more about I Love Food Co. Where did the idea come from? Yeah, so I had a background in FMCG, working for large corporates and multinationals, and I started to slowly become a bit disillusioned with it. Um, at the time, you know, I was very into innovation and creating new products and I found that, you know, a lot of the products that were coming onto the market, it was all about like taking cost out and making things cheaper and, um, you know, like we can say it's butter, it tastes like butter, but it's not real butter. I mean, of course, things have changed now and, you know, I thought, would I give these products to my kids if I had children? And I kind of thought, mm, no, I wouldn't really. Um, and I found that New Zealand was becoming quite an implementation market at the time, like taking a lot of innovation from overseas. And as a marketer, that just really wasn't very exciting for me. Um, and I thought, hey, you know, I can do better. Why, why don't I just create something myself? So um, I, had a, I had a great business partner um, who was a food technologist and we got together and we just started chatting and we were like, um, talking about products that we love and we both talked about how we lived overseas and when we came back we tried a pie and we were disappointed with the quality of pies that were on the market and we saw an opportunity to create a really great pie that could be really satisfying. I think at the time Burger Fuel had just launched mm. and we were like, wow, I can't believe they're getting like $14 for a burger. Wow. We're like, maybe you could do that with pies which can be, you know, like a casserole encased in pastries, but we've seen in that category so much quality being stripped out of of that category that mm. they tried to make it cheaper and cheaper, and we just came in with a, a quite an expensive pie, like it was $20, and this was in oh, 2008, 
um, for a family pie and around five or six dollars for a single serve, and no one really blinked an eye because the products were good quality and they tasted good. Um, yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Oh, I want to get my hands on one of these pies. Yeah, well, they're still out there. They're still available in all the supermarkets. So, um, yeah, they're called I Love Pies. I Love Pies. What kinds of flavours are there? Oh, there's all sorts. I mean, I think, um, you know, they're all the sort of traditional flavours, but with a bit of tw- bit of a twist, so, you know, using Angus beef and mm. using free-range meat. Like, we were the first uh, company to use free-range chicken on, a, like, a commercial scale, and it was really hard for us to get at the time. Um, and all the pastry is made with sour cream, so it, it you know, has yeah. a nice... Uh, taste to it mm. we don't use things like mold inhibitors or yellow food coloring or e, you know had no e numbers in it and yeah and the company that we sold to is stuck by that so mm. Mm. oh it sounds amazing so you did decide to exit from that business in 2018 tell us about that process yeah so i guess like um jesse and i we sort of we had a thing in our head where we thought let's get out by the time we're 40, no matter what we're doing, we, we both felt like we had another chapter in our life to live. Um, and whilst we were really happy, we always believed in going out on a, on a bit of a high. I guess, too, in FMCG, you kind of get to a stage where you need to really seriously start in, investing and thinking, like, I need my own sales force or I need to really drive awareness a lot harder, um, export markets become more expensive to service and we really felt like we needed the weight of a bigger company to be able to do that so it just it just felt right in our personal lives and also you know it was right for the business too to go Mm. to a trade partner to do that absolutely now you launched a new company late last year every which is a skincare company aimed at uh, young people teenagers where did this idea come from yeah so I guess like I had been travelling um, overseas and had to come back due to COVID. Um, I was in lockdown and, you know, it was a pretty grim time for lots of people and everyone was really impacted by it. But what I saw who were really impacted by it was our young people. Um, they couldn't go out and have fun with their friends. Um, it was all about uh, homeschooling. You know, life was all, um, all stick and no carrot so to speak, mm. and I just felt so sorry for them. And then at the same time, I'm seeing all these terrible statistics, like New Zealand has the highest youth suicide rate in mm. the world. We've got the highest rate of bullying. Um, and I was like, oh, my God, there's got to be a role that a, um, a brand can play in this area. Um, at the same time, I had um, a tween. She was 12 at the time. She's 13 now. And um, she had a few pimples nothing too serious and so I decided to look for a skincare range for her and I just couldn't find anything that met my expectations around natural gentle and balancing but also a brand that she would be willing to share with her friends that she would be proud to show that she used um, a brand that she would put on social media and I just kind of I guess the two kind of problems or I guess passions Converged, you know, where I'm, I'm really passionate about mental health in New Zealand and improving it for our youth. Um, and I'm also really passionate about skincare and making sure that we use natural products and that we um, think about the ingredients we use and put on our skin. Mm. And then the brand was born. <laughs> Amazing. So 
you mentioned, you know, 100% natural and certified palm-free products. What have been the, the challenges trying to make these skincare products? Yeah, I mean, we've got some amazing facilities in New Zealand to make skincare, so that was definitely a big tick for me when looking at this category. Um, so making them, yeah, there were some challenges. I guess the challenge, I mean, there was no challenges from the point of view of finding anyone to make mm. them, but there were definitely challenges around certified palm-free. Like, it's amazing how many ingredients are palm-free. I mean, contain palm, and trying to get effective products that are palm-free were really, really hard. Um, so our development time was a lot longer. Uh, I think the other challenges in the beauty space is that the MOQs are really high. You know, you're looking at like 10,000 for a unique mm. bottle of some sort, and that can be really challenging because my personal um, sort of belief as an entrepreneur is very much like 90% is good enough and you're better off getting a market and pivoting and uh, changing and learning while you're in market but that's quite hard when you're sitting on like 10,000 bottles or something to change that quite easily um, so that's definitely been a challenge. Mm. And what's the what's been the biggest learning curve in your experience as a businesswoman? Biggest learning curve. Mm. I don't know. I, I mean, I think you're like learning every day. There's mm. always new problems that are that are coming up. I mean, I don't know particularly as a woman. I think like in the beginning, I guess there was a bit of a struggle to feel like you were taken seriously, even though at a, I managed a division of a large multinational. Even when I set out to start I Love Food Co., so many people thought it was just a hobby, that it was just this like sideline hustle that I was doing. Really? And it was like, no, this is a legitimate business. Wow. <laughs> you know, and now I guess now that I've I had success in that area, um, I guess the next challenge is now like, like lots of people are putting a lot of faith in me, which is amazing that people believe in me, but you also like, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> that's interesting. Do you believe in this thing called the tall poppy syndrome is it rife in New Zealand I mean I don't know if I've personally experienced it I mean I don't know what people say behind behind my backs I do believe that it exists um, and I think because of that that sometimes we don't think big enough in New Zealand like I really believe that you need to think big um, and I think we kind of make ourselves small like, oh, I'm just going to be at the farmer's market or oh, if I could get into, you know, 10 new worlds, that would be great. But it's like, why aren't you thinking, let's create a product that Coles can take in Australia or Walmart can take in America. Why are we not thinking bigger? And I think it comes down to that kind of like tall poppy syndrome. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, also, I also think we don't collaborate enough in New Zealand and it's a real bugbearer of mine. Um, we're small as a country and we've got all these people trying to, you know, do everything on their own. It's probably that number eight wire thing a little bit. We're all trying to um, solve the same problems where I think we need to come together more and work together because the world is massive, <laughs> you know, and uh, I think if we worked closer together, we could solve these problems together and we really aren't always competing. Yeah, totally. Well, who was your greatest influence? Is there someone that you admire or look up to in the business space? 
Not real. I, I don't. I mean, there's so many people I admire. I don't think there's a particular person. I, I would pinpoint like Sharon Hunter as someone mm. uh, who. I know this sounds crazy, but like when I was at uni and at school, I didn't even realise that I could own a business. I know that sounds absolutely crazy. Like I, it just didn't even. I kind of thought it was something that old white men did. Um, and then when I saw Sharon Hunter and I saw what success she had as a female and as a young female, it made me think, well, mm, why couldn't I do that? I could do something like that. And I guess, you know, that, that just shows you how important it is to have role models and to have role models with diversity because we need young people to be able to see those people and realise that they can achieve those things and that they can think big and not just think small. Yeah, yeah, definitely, Marie. And what is, in your mind, the biggest issue facing Kiwis in business today? <laughs> um, I mean, we always have those things like we're on the the end of the end of the world, and and mm. it's hard, to, it's hard to to get out of New Zealand. Um, so I think it's that thing of just I, I really do think it is that we need to think bigger. Uh, you know, and expand our thinking a, lo- a lot more. Mm. And what what does the next, say, twelve months, a year, uh, five years, ten years look like for you and uh, and your business, Every? Yeah, so for, we've just recently launched into farmers um, nationwide, and it's doing really well, and it's really encouraging to see and, and get that great feedback. Um, but I'm definitely thinking big. I'm looking at the states as a market. Uh, and I'd love to see every and a major retailer over there, and I, I fully believe that we can do that. So um, myself, I, I want to fulfil like my purpose, which is really around helping young people, be that in business um, or around their mental health. So mm. if I can keep working towards that, then that's what I'd like to do. Well, it's been so great chatting with you today, Marie, and hearing your stories of, you know, starting a business, selling a business and starting a whole new business. It's been fantastic. So we really appreciate your time today. Thank you. It's been great talking to you. Marie Gladding here on Today FM. I'm Bryn Rudkin with you until 2 o'clock this afternoon. This is Rebet Live. I'm filling in for Rebet today. It is 29 minutes to 2 after the break. I'm catching up with Ian Musson from the Young Enterprise Scheme who is in studio with me. Uh, we find out more about the Young Enterprise Scheme. I'll be back in three minutes. His goal, to destroy the tall poppy syndrome. His platform, Today FM. This is Rebet Live. Call 0800 Today FM. It is 26 minutes to 2 here on Today FM. Bryn Rudkin in for Rebet Hollis today. This is Rebet Live. My number 0800 863 293 0800 Today FM or text us 3920. Would love your feedback. Time now for our Learn, Share, Repeat segment and this week we're chatting with Ian Musson who joins me in the studio this afternoon. Ian is the head of the Young Enterprise Scheme. Really appreciate you hanging out in the studio with me today, Ian. Oh, super. Super stoked. <laughs> to be here dude it is fun it's probably the easiest way I can put it in terms of I get told at work a lot that I talk a lot <laughs> yeah. so the opportunity to have a platform to <laughs> yarn 
is incredible. Oh, you're doing a great job, by the way. Well, let's talk about your work, the Young Enterprise Scheme. For people who aren't familiar with what you do and what the Young Enterprise Scheme is, tell us what it is. What is YES? Cool. So I will do my best to keep this as hmm, concise as possible. So <laughs> we are a charity. We've been around 41 years. I done the Young Enterprise Program in 2003 when I was 17. So do the math. You can find out how old I am. I'm super stoked to kind of be rounding it out and be working for the trust now. So I really, I guess our mantra, you might say, within the program, and I'll get to how we do it, is mm. the mantra is really around inspiring students to then unleash leaders. Now, we use entrepreneurship or enterprise or business, how we want to communicate it, simply as a vessel. So just a way to basically have our students learn, grow more about themselves than anything. Mm. Um, we talk about having like an everyone, every way, every pathway kind of, I guess, process we work through so that our opportunities are open to any young person from any background, whether they're in school or not, and allowing them to move on to whatever they want to in the future. So in the simplest form, we help young people who are generally in years 12 and 13 within high schools to set up a business and operate it throughout the year. Mm. The hope is that through that, they learn more about themselves. Yes, they're going to promote some stuff. They're going to sell some stuff. They're going to learn. That's great. But really for us, it is around them. How do we work as a team? How do we make decisions when we all don't agree because we're a group of different people? How do we choose what the challenges we're going to focus on, how we're going to choose the business we work in, how we're going to choose how we're going to promote it and all that other good stuff that comes with it, which I think, and again, clearly I'm super biased and otherwise I wouldn't mm. be working with Young Enterprise, but it's a great means and a great vessel to help young people learn about themselves, get some confidence, grow in themselves and then be able to launch yeah. a business from it, but it's more about them. So when did you get involved with YES. So obviously you, you know, you found out what it was and you had your own business when you were 17. How long have you actually been working yeah. for the Young Enterprise so scheme? I've been with Young Enterprise for approximately three years. So I started in the first lockdown. Right. Which was an interesting time to start. Yes, yeah. And But at the same time, it was probably a great way to start because we were entering into a space where a lot of learning was then starting to be done online. Mm. So for me, starting and working from home online kind of fitted in really, really well. It also allowed me to, and I guess I'm not saying that there were great outcomes and great things from being in lockdowns, but one of the great things that I experienced was that's how I got to meet my team. Mm -hmm. And it's an easy way to meet people because we spread across the country. And so you like jump on a Zoom call. Hey, I'm the new guy. This is what I'm about. What are you up to? And so been with the trust for about three years, done a few different things while I'm there, while I've been there. And I guess really stoked or really proud you might say to be I guess the chief student or angler if yeah. that makes sense um, yeah. in terms of it's a really rewarding place to be and I think or I feel pretty strongly that I learn more from our young people than they learn from us. Definitely. What does an average day or let's say an average week yep. look like for you because this is a, a, a nationwide scheme. Yeah. Are you travelling a lot during the week to meet different students to go to different parts of the country? Yeah, so we're we're pretty lucky. So we are we've broken the region the sorry, the country up into twenty one regions. So each region, this is my shout out to the team because they asked for this. <laughs> um, so our KAs and our RCs who are out there, they know what that means. They are based in all the regions across New Zealand. They are the ones who I would say create the magic to deliver the program on the ground. 
I really get to travel around and just make a bit of noise. <laughs> so all the work is done by them. Yeah. Um, in terms of the students we had in the studio this morning, that was all created by our local crew here. So mm. there's people all across the country working with teachers, working with students. I'm pretty lucky that I get to kind of fly in, say hi, help out where I can, and do that kind of around the country. Like I spoke earlier how this week I was down the West Coast. Yeah. Um, super, super cool. This coming week I'm back in the Waikato, which is home for me, which is incredible, um, with a day in Auckland. And then different times of the years it gets the different levels of busyness. Mm. So to give everyone an idea is we have what we call a kickstart at the beginning of the year where I will do my best to get to every single young enterprise region and just talk about the program. It's just a way to kind of get our young people excited to get, give them an opportunity to share the ideas that are in their head. But most importantly, and while hopefully people are listening, it's a chance for them to meet business mentors or business practitioners that live in their region as well. Mm. Um, so times like that get really busy. I'm on the road heaps. Other times I'm as busy, but I'm in my garage at home in Hamilton. Yeah. And so how does the year work? So when do you meet with students? Is that literally right at the start of term one? Yeah, so our year is broken up into five young enterprise challenges. Mm. So the very first one does occur in term one. And as soon as we can, in the beginning of each year, we have these kickstart events. So we're, again, myself and the team will be around the country talking about young enterprise to a whole bunch of school students in different parts of the regions about what they can do and what this looks like. From that, they may start a business, they might have an idea. We talk a lot around having them to validate their ideas. So their very first challenge is validation. Mm. It's actually getting out there, talking to people, is this something people actually want? So we go hard and heavy on that because I think we'd all agree, and Robert would say this as well, that there's so many businesses out there that have just gone to launch and done something and realise not many people actually want it. Yeah. So for us and for our young people, the lesson is let's talk to people. And in, the, in itself is a really great lesson for them and confidence-building experience to actually get out and speak to people who might be their customers. So mm. we have that in Term 1. We move into mid-year pitches or presentations in Term 2, which is incredibly exciting and daunting for our students equally because oftentimes it might be the very first time that they're actually pitching in front of judges like a dragon's den. Mm. Our students have just come to a point where they have just submitted their documents or their, I won't say assessment because it's not an assessment, their challenge three, which is all around promotion. How do they promote their business? At the moment, we have market days happening all across the country. So, you know, if you're in Kitty Kitty today or if you're in the, in the Bay of Plenty, there are two Young Enterprise markets happening right there, right now. Um, mm. There are more to come if you jump on the Young Enterprise website. Mm. Um, and then at the end of the year, it all gets wrapped up with students actually presenting within their regions to become their regional champion. From becoming a regional champion, students then go on to, I guess, to compete, you might say, for mm. to become our national Young Enterprise champion. And it's the way, easy way I explain it to folk is, so I played a lot of sport in high school and you go to a national tournament. Mm. You win your region or you do well at your region, you go to your nationals, you do well there. Yeah. Same thing, but for our students who are taking the opportunity to grow in business. So they mm. compete locally, then they compete nationally. They do some incredible things. Um, I think, like I've mentioned time and time again, our young people often blow me away. And it makes me think and consider what I was doing as a 16, 17-year-old at school compared to them, mm. and it wasn't the same thing. Mm. You know, I think my priorities back back when were 
sports and then probably girls. And <laughs> yeah, that was probably yeah. the priority too. So yeah. sports was first. We've got young people who are going above and beyond what's required of them in the classroom because they have a passion or they're seeing a need that needs to be met by something they can deliver. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's so good to to have you in the studio, as I said, and uh, to hear more about the Young Enterprise Scheme. Uh, we've got to take a break uh, and we'll chat more with Ian before we wrap up the show. But next, I'm catching up with clinical psychologist Dougal Sutherland. Uh, we're going to talk about burnout and stress in the workplace. The time is now 17 minutes to two. This is Today FM. Mentor. Sherpa. Counselor. Nah, just a clever guy doing cool shit. It's Rebet Live. On Today FM. It is 14 minutes to two. This is Today FM. I'm Bryn Rudkin filling in for Rebet Hollis today. Uh, now more than ever, it's important for organisations to understand what a healthy work environment looks like and to provide it for their employees. And many workers have reported feeling burnt out at work. But what's causing people to feel stressed at work and how can organisations best tackle burnout? Clinical psychologist Dougal Sutherland joins me now. Dougal, I appreciate your time this afternoon. Thank you for joining us. Great, great to join you, Bryn. So firstly, what is burnout and what's causing it? Well, so, so burnout's got three kind of main symptoms. Firstly, there's exhaustion, and that's like absolute sheer exhaustion, not feeling a bit tired. Um, then there's feeling cynical, really, really cynical or detached from your workplace. And, and lastly, there's just a lack of or a reduction in productivity. And together, we would call those three things uh, workplace burnout. And, and look, there are a whole host of things that cause or contribute to burnout. Some are really obvious, like there's a high workload and there's not enough people. Um, but there can be other things too, like the level of um, the level of shift work, the level of support there is from your organisation, um, and 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 many times too, it's personal factors that people are bringing uh, with them to their workplace, which are causing just as much stress as uh, the, the the things that are at work as well, and that all contributes to burnout too. Are any particular groups more at risk than others? Um, look, at the moment, <laughs> unsurprisingly, perhaps uh, healthcare workers are probably particularly at risk. Mm. Um, and I, I think any, I'm thinking also um, firefighters as well at the moment. And I'm thinking about some of those groups that are high, high profile um, at the moment and who are under lots of pressure. Um, to, to, to um, work with mounting workloads uh, and, and perhaps fe feeling unrecognised. Um, but I'll, look, I think I think it's a general thing amongst the public service as well as people are trying to work harder and faster and smarter. Um, but I think particularly healthcare workers and, and, and firefighters are some of the couple of the groups I can think of. Mm, definitely those working the front line, right? Especially over yeah, the last yeah. couple of years during the pandemic. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Do you have an idea of how bad workplace burnout and stress is uh, in this country? Oh, look, I, I, you hear varying figures from time to time. I think the other day I heard a figure from an, a recruitment company that said, you know, up to 65% of people in workplaces were, were, were reporting burnout. Um, that, that sounds really high. Yeah. Um, uh, but but I, I guess it would depend on 
you, you know, the actual workforce, going back to your earlier question, actually. I think one of the things that we struggle with is, is that we're, we're often not very good at, at, at measuring it. So we don't know because we don't ask. And, and, you know, you can understand in one way workplaces not asking because they don't want to know. Um, and so then they don't report those figures. Um, but, but anecdotally, you certainly hear lots of it at the moment, you know, in those, in those frontline groups particularly. Teachers is another group, I think, as well, that's really been mm. in the firing line and are really suffering. So, um, yeah, so, so anecdotally, it, it's a lot of people. Um, and, and, you know, that contributes to things like people um, leaving their jobs, going overseas, changing careers. Mm. Just reflecting on, you know, the last couple of years with the pandemic, do you think organisations and businesses have adapted to the stresses and challenges brought on by COVID-19? Some have. And to be fair to organisations organisations and businesses, we got hit with a one in 100 year event and everybody at the time just did what they could to pivot and try and, you know, try and get through. Um, and, and, and I don't think anybody would begrudge any organisation for that. We just had to do what we uh, we can do. I think the better organisations are now looking at that and saying, what can we learn from this? What can we do differently going forward rather than just going back to the, the old normal? Uh, I think organisations that are perhaps less onto it are just saying, well, come on, let's go back and we'll just get into what we were doing in 2019. Um and those are probably, you know, because you really want to learn lessons from the last two years um, and, and try and do things differently. Um, so, so some are. There's some really encouraging signs from, from workplaces who are looking at being proactive in this space. But I think still few. I think there's a um, recent survey said there was about a third of workplaces still don't have a, a workplace wellbeing plan. And so those would be the ones that would be particularly at risk, uh, I think, of their people burning out. And what is a wellbeing plan, Dougal? Yeah, so a well-being plan, in a sense, it's being proactive about looking at the risks and the psych, the psychological risks, I guess, um, uh, if you like, uh, in your workplace. So, so rather than being the ambulance at the bottom of the cliff and going, gosh, we've had a whole lot of people burning out, and we'd better do something to support them. You definitely want to do that if you have people burnt out. But a, a workplace well-being plan is is going right back to the start and saying, hey, what are all the things in our workplace that might add to people's stress and and uh, and uh, poor levels of mental health and that differs heaps uh, according to different uh, different organizations and different workplaces um, and and, um, the, and the best way to do that is simply ask the people ask your workers you know what are the things that are stressing you out at the moment and, and sometimes it's high workload and uh, not enough resourcing those are obvious ones but other times it's less subtle things uh, there might be workplace bullying going on uh, there might be a whole lot of financial stress at home it might be parenting it might be relation couple relationships that and you know people bring those things to work they don't just park them at the door when they come in so um, so it, it could be a whole host of different things depending on your organisation. And are workplaces legislated to look after not just the physical health of their staff but also their mental wellbeing? Yeah, absolutely. So the, the 2015 Health and Safety at Work Act changed the legislation and, and, and put the emphasis equally upon mental 
well-being as much as physical well-being. I think I think everybody's sort of up to speed with physical well-being. You know, you have a have an orange, a little yellow sign up when it's uh, when you've got a wet floor and you have, you know, something on the on the stairs so that you don't fall down the stairs. Um, but but a lot of organisations weren't familiar, didn't really know about the mental challenges, the psychological challenges of workplaces. But but they are required by law to look after that side of people's well-being as well. And um, and that's been a big area for lots of organisations to get into and fully understand. Mm. And so how do workplaces and organisations combat burnout and moral stress in the workplace? Look, I think the first thing is going right back to basics and, and, and actually asking people. So, so finding out from your from your people what are the things that are stressing them out. Often it's not the things that organisations might think and there's a real danger in an organisation assuming that they know uh, what's stressing their people out. Um, so going right back to basics, asking them what is, what you know, getting a measure of it, getting a baseline. And then once you've got that, you can use that information to, to make a plan say oh actually these things are really difficult for our people so what can we do around this um, and if it's not something you can change like some you know you can't suddenly magic up more doctors or more nurses it's okay what can we do to support people um, who are already here given that we've got a limited amount of resources um, but it really does start with that baseline of figuring out what's going on on the ground right now for your people. Mm. We know lots of people have uh, moved towards remote and hybrid working. Do you know if this has helped to ease stress on workers or has it done the opposite and created more stress? Uh, look, uh, there's, the, there's a, um, some great research from Dr Jared Haar coming out of um, AUT uh, in Auckland um, and he, he looked at this, uh, you know, the proportion of people that were working from home or hybrid working, which is, you know, that working sometimes in the workplace, sometimes at home. And there was a real sweet spot of, of, of if you were doing, you know, a couple of days at home and a couple of days in the office, um, that was actually really great for people's well-being. Um, and, and, and there was no reduction in their productivity, um, which sometimes organisations worry about that if somebody's at home, they're not really producing. Uh, as much as they might in the office. Um, so we know, we know that there's a real sweet spot of, of, of sort of a couple of days in the office, a couple of days at home, which is great for wellbeing. Um, uh, if people feel forced back into the office when they don't want to be in there, that's that's not a good sign for their wellbeing. Uh, but equally, if you're always at home, there is the risk of getting quite isolated and lonely, which which um, which is also a, a, a not a great place to be. So. So, yeah, certainly that hybrid model seems to be a really useful one in terms of people's overall well-being. Mm. And just finally, Dougal, uh, this, you know, this is a very broad question. What is the secret to happiness at work? <laughs> is that something you can answer? <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh, that's oh, if, if only I knew that. I think I would be a millionaire. Look, I, you know, I, I I think there is that thing about you know, if you find a job that you love, then you know that old cliche, then you'll ne never feel like you've worked a day in your life again. Um, so it's it's I think partly it's doing what you love and feeling feeling valued and appreciated for what you're doing. Uh, and, and those are some really, and, and feeling like you have a sense of controllability about the amount of work that you do, so not being micromanaged. Um, and I don't know if that's the complete recipe for, for being happy at work, but it's some of the core ingredients anyway. Mm. Hey, Dougal, really appreciate your time this afternoon. Thank you so much. Great to catch up. Yeah, good to talk to you. Thanks very much.
That is Dougal Sutherland, clinical psychologist at the Victoria University of Wellington, joining us this afternoon. This is Rebecca Live. I'm Bryn Rudkin filling in for Rebecca today. It is three minutes to two here on Today FM. Ian Musson has been joining me in studio all afternoon, uh, head of the Young Enterprise Scheme. How have you found your first show, Ian? I had some... I was nervous coming in, to yeah. be fair. I talk a lot, but I was nervous coming <laughs> in, so... Considering the last two hours have disappeared pretty, pretty quickly, I'm, I'm in a happy space. I'm in a good spot and have enjoyed the band. I'll tell you, the, the piece of advice I was given as I sat in this chair, as soon as I got in, was you quite quickly forget the radio's on. Yes, um, yeah. Which you do. But then Bryn also reminded me, except for that everyone across the nation is listening. Yeah, yeah. I have to remind myself, too, that sometimes a conversation you're having with someone might be interesting to you, but there are so many more people probably listening who are like, no, I don't care about this. <laughs> Correct. And I think I'm the same with um, with jokes. Uh, things that yes. I think are especially jokes, Especially yes. jokes. Because I, I like to think I'm funny, but then, then quickly I find out I'm not. Yeah, I think when you have children, <laughs> that is a really... Um, Dad jokes, right? Yeah, a really great yeah. way of figuring out actually if you are or not. And yeah. Sometimes I think my, my sons give me some pity laughs, which <laughs> I take because a laugh is a laugh. Yes. Um, but I know deep down inside um, what yeah. they're really thinking. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, just quickly, because we're about to go to news and we'll wrap up, but if people want to find out more about the Young Enterprise Scheme, how do they? Can they jump on to the website? Yeah, so we've got two places I'll send people to. So one of them is our Young Enterprise website, which is simply youngenterprise.org.nz. The other place I would recommend people going to is the Yes Market. So yesmarket.co.nz. And it's basically a gathering, you might say, of young enterprise products that wow. are currently made by students. So if you're looking for... Now, this sounds like a promo, and it pretty much is. It's fine. That's it. If, if you're looking for a gift, a Christmas gift, or whatever it could be, jump on the yesmarket.co.nz and you'll see a whole range of different really cool things that our young people have been up to, what they're selling, because they want your coin, you need gifts, so mm. have a look. Amazing. Well, we're all wrapped up now, Ian. Thank you so much again for coming in. No, I really appreciate it. And we'll catch up with you soon. Uh, this has been Rebet Live for today. Rebet will be back next week. I'm Bryn Rudkin. Thank you so much for your company. Thanks for listening. Mark Paired Sport is coming up next. But first, the latest news sport and weather with KM Adams from the Today FM News Centre. Have a great day.